So yeah, I'm I'm doing fine. Although I do have to like hurriedly mute a lot of other discords. I, I I'm in too many discords, but it's like <laughs> somewhere in the back of my mind, it's like someday eventually I might go in here and say things, even though I'm very socially awkward, which is why you put me in charge of our social media platforms. Even though you're clearly not doing so right now. Well, we don't have a podcast right now. Like, we're this is the second episode we're doing in like. No, no, no. no. I, I wasn't. I wasn't talking shit about like our social media. You're you doing were, great. You were. I, you were. No, you were. I was. I was talking about being in way too many Discord groups, which you know I, as well, am the same. I kind of, I have a dumping folder for all the Discords that I'm not exactly posting in right now, but I don't really wants to leave for whatever yeah, like, reason and these are, list is these getting are pretty the, long these are the discords i got put in because i'm doing the patreon and like i talk with some of them like the breaking mayberry dudes are actually uh, the breaking mayberry it's all right i've talked them up and there's a chance they may listen to this so i won't be nice they have a small enough fan base that their that their discord is manageable <laughs> like i I read webcomics and I'm on the sleepless domain discord, but like that's like people are there like talking all the time. Like they have like 50 channels and like people are voice chatting and talking about current events. It's like, man, I didn't need to do that. But in the Breaking Mayberry discord, they just like occasionally get out there to complain about the weird boomers they're stalking <laughs> and the boomers that are stalking them. And occasionally they do Jackbox and like, that's my level. Like that, that's the level of fame, Sam, that I aspire to that. We have enough fans that we can name them, and we're basically there. Have enough fans to occasionally do a Jackbox on a weekend. Like, hey, our three fans out there who listen to us, message us when you want a Jackbox, because that sounds fun. I think you have that standing offer for someone that you'll buy them lunch, like, if you just ask. Yeah, I I, I, I do. I absolutely do. Like, if you, uh, if you send us a picture of your receipts... We'll pay for your lunch. We will Venmo you or PayPal you for lunch. Now, to be clear, we're saying lunch. Not like, and lunch isn't like steak. Lunch isn't lobster. Lunch is lunch. Yeah, we, we don't we don't have a Patreon Discord that I'm not able to, like, uh, uh, connect with yet, you know, so. Yeah, if you swing through Taco Bell, hit me up for that. That's what I'm saying. Maybe taco time, but don't get crazy. Yes. Taco Gayabas? No, that's, that's... That's a step too far. Welcome to Brokusatsu, two brothers' exploration of tokusatsu and associated media. I'm Harry. And I'm Sam. And I'm sorry to Harry for delaying recording this week to uh, get in an extended game of Twilight Imperium, a game which uh, I think love and hate in equal parts, uh, occasionally shifting more towards love, occasionally shifting more towards hate, lately shifting more towards hate, but I still do it anyway to just cut myself and experience it and you've been in a fairly stable relationship with sarah so you really need some like toxic ex-girlfriend type energy in your <laughs> life and ti is really that for you you're like every time 
every time you tell yourself this is going to be the last time, but, you know, a couple months later, somebody on the Facebook messages says, hey, I'm thinking about doing some TI. Like, we're we're going to do it better this time. We won't go to 14 points, just 10. We'll, we'll split it over a couple days, and it, it's still a nightmare, isn't it, Sam? <laughs> I mean, it, it is, and it's like, I actually won, Harry. <laughs> like, oh, so, so of I, course it was great. So, of course it was great. <laughs> No, it it was still it was still awful, but it was also delightful. Like at and it's at the same time. And I don't I don't know what it is about that game. Like I want to love that game and it's it's almost there. I want it to be better than it is and it almost is. But it's not. <laughs> And I'm just going to keep smashing my face against that rock just again and again and again. And I know it. That is my fate, Harry. Uh, I, I guess I also apologize for delaying it an extra 15 or 20 minutes of this morning. That was because I slept in and I hadn't watched the episodes last night. So that's what happened there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I was actually pretty happy when you delayed it 15 minutes because I was still cooking eggs. Like you oh, saved yeah. me from delaying it 15 minutes. Yeah, I suspected that you weren't going to be there right then. Eggs are good in the morning. And what else is good in the morning is Go Busters, episodes three and four. Also good after work in the evening. Good in the morning, good in the evening, good at supper time when mm-hmm. Go Busters is a fun uh, exploration of Tokusatsu themes within a slight more hard sci-fi network. You can have Go Busters anytime. Or when are we talking? All right, episode three. <laughs> uh, yes, and... We begin episode three with Allo Allo, just a nice, pleasant reminder that our villain is evil and French in equal measures. You could have just stopped at French, Seth. <laughs> so we are talking, or we are seeing Enter, and he is in the hyperspace Windows 95 screensaver realm. And he is talking with, uh, uh, with the big bad of the series, presumably. His Majesty Messiah. And Enter is, you know... He's talking some some pretty good game. He says, hey, the Go-Busters are a problem, but if we just build up a big supply of Enertron, we could send, like, five or six Metaroids at a time, and they'd really have trouble dealing with that. Like, Enter is a guy who comes to his meeting with, like, PowerPoint slides and says, hey, I think we could do very well. He, he's very competent for an underling. And Messiah, for his part, is screaming, yelling, like, kill the humans, kill the humans. He's that type of dude. Uh, Enter is just said, like, hey, let's let's send too many monsters for the heroes to deal with. And the screensaver boss is just like, no, send them all right now, right now, no. And then he crashes. He says, hey, don't, if you get too angry, you'll destroy the, the hyperspace routes we spent 13 years carving out. Like, we gotta, uh, whatever. So it goes back to the real world where it's in a, a Doctor cosplay. And he creates the Monster of the Week, which is kind of a, uh, it, it's... More adorable this week than most. It's well, it's a syringe bot, which is like they they don't linger on it, but it's actually kind of horrifying. Well, it it's horrifying, but also adorable because it's a syringe robot, but it's also wearing like a fitted doctor's coat, and it looks all sharp because it is sharp because it's a syringe. Uh, and back at the Ghostbusters headquarters, they get a abnormal reading, and they go out to hunt it down. And then we hit the credits. All three uh, Go Busters are on a stakeout this time, uh, which is, it's nice to see. Like, we're, you know, three episodes in, they've largely gotten over uh, some of the first episodes, just like, oh, I don't trust Red, because they're all, like, they're all working together, they're all taking photos of this hospital. this episode, they kind of resolve some of the last of that. I think they're kind of gelled as a team by the end of these eps. But speaking of the hospital um, that the Needlebot is in, 
it's some pretty spooky shit, because, you know, all the windows are closed, no one is coming in and out of this large, major hospital, and I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, like, oh, oh, did that bot kill everyone inside the hospital? Maybe. Also, uh, but, but this is such a minor point, but before we move on, Harry, what the crap are rest days for hospitals? I, I tried to look this up, so... Uh, Yoko does suggest, like, hey, you know, yeah, everything's quiet, but maybe this is a rest day, and Hiroo kind of showing how he's a very precise dude, he says, no, I looked at the sign over there, it says the rest days are on Wednesdays, this is Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I tried to look it up, and I couldn't find it. Um, mostly I just found things like, lots of medical things on if you spend time in a uh, hospital, you lose muscle tone, you need to recover from that, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I know... Japanese hospitals, in theory, are, they have a thing where, like, they kind of shut down a lot more than American hospitals do. Like, I mean, American hospitals have less stuff during the night, but it's not like it's not hospital. Like, you can kind of go there. and. Oh, yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time. I would say that I've spent more time in hospitals between, like, 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. than I have during other parts of the day. <laughs> Yeah, and Japanese hospitals, like, you can still go there for emergency services, but they kind of do stop, I mean, they keep, like, business hours. Which, I mean, I I might criticize it, but then again, the American healthcare system is a nightmare joke. If we're comparing literally anything else to the American medical system, it's probably gonna come out looking nice. And, and also, to be fair, like, one of the reasons that American healthcare is so fucked is that all our doctors and nurses are ridiculously overworked and tired and stressed all the time, and a rest day is probably a really good idea. It's important for employees to get days off, which is a thing they recognize in most industries. (laughs) So yeah, so the Rangers, they go inside to figure out what's going on inside the hospital, and hey, everyone inside has not been murdered, yay, Uh, but they have been... uh, they have been mind-controlled and given these kind of evil pseudo-robo-masks that look like the top half of the Squid Game mask. They're similar to the kind of mooks with, like, robot things. and They're they're moving around like zombies, and it's clear that they're being controlled. Uh, <laughs> so they're going to fight, but Hiromu says, hey, don't just shoot them, they're still human. Yeah, like, I want to... I wanted to think that this was like a cancer ward so that all the people that the Go-Busters were just putting the haymakers into were like these 90-year-olds getting chemo. Look, they, they gotta do haymakers so they can save the day. Like, if they if they fuck this up, all of humanity will die. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Which is, uh, <laughs> which is a point we'll get to a little bit later in the episode. Enter is off to the side, he introduces himself, he says, Sava, Go-Busters, and Yoko has to say that that's Sava, not Sava. And her remote, yes, yeah, obviously. And he says that he's there to commit a little light genocide, because Enter is delightful. Yeah, like, Enter wants to go for the victory, but Messiah is being real pissy and wants to just hurt some humans, so, so like, a good, you know, underling, he says, okay, boss, I'll just, I'll do what, uh, something that will, in theory, actually do what you want, but is actually still serving my purposes. Uh, back at the base, the uh, uh, the team uh, in the chair, they're talking about how long it is going to be before the big robot shows up, and it's going to be 42 minutes this time. So we do not have the countdown clock in the bottom right corner of the screen uh, for this episode, uh, because they have given the Go-Busters a rather extended time period to uh, figure stuff out before the big guy shows up. Nakamura, the the new girl, says, um, it's a, kind of a complicated route. I think they're trying to save energy. So I guess you could take back roads in hyperspace. It makes sense. Like, if, you know, 
and they're not flooring it. They're just like they're creeping along the road getting here. They're saving all the gas. But hey, I, I do appreciate that this is this is good world building. Like if it takes less energy to come in slower, that is a good piece of information. And I hope the show remembers that the show doesn't break its rules too often. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I love a show with a show bible that the writers actually pay attention to. Yeah. Like I mean this this is still like a bright children's show and they do like update the status quo but they usually do so for a reason and they like establish the new rules. Mm-hmm. Uh but in terms of old rules, Hiroba says to Yoko, "Hey, you have that thing where you need to eat chocolate all the time and you haven't done it." Uh, since we entered the hospital, maybe we should do that. Yuka says, I'm not a kid, and runs off and then falls over because... Because she's a kid, yeah. So, in the basement, the uh, Needlebot is creating zombies. He's singing, like, a little nine-inch nail about how the needle tears a hole. An old, familiar sting. We then find the first uh, survivor uh, inside the hospital as a few of these zombies and uh, other assorted mooks are chasing a doctor around. Yeah. And- oh, uh... I, I don't want to pass it over. Hiromu, he's doing some good physical acting here, like kind of walking stiffly, because Yoko did yell the word chicken at him, just as revenge to trigger his weak point. And he's like kind of half frozen because the word itself is not that bad. He really needs to get over that. Yeah, boy, need, look, look, the child soldiers, they all need therapy, but they're not getting it. I know, I know, I know. But like, it, this is a particular, if the... If they could send a robot chicken at these guys and just immediately blue screen one of the rangers. Well, like, it's that's... a secret. Like, they they don't let Vagris know, which is why it's especially dumb that Yoko kind of yelled it in a building filled with them. But whatever, they got away with it this time. But that's going to happen, right? Like, Red is eventually going to have to go through immersion therapy, right? Just, you know, slowly introducing him to larger and larger chickens and him, like, petting them and petting them and getting over his his fear of them, right? They're going to have to do that. I do believe that that is a uh, minor plot line later on in the series. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, back to the survivor. Yep. It's a doctor. He's running around a corner, and Red's first move in order to protect him is to just flip him over his body. <laughs> Yeah, and then he, and then he Mozambique drills, like, two, two in the heart, one in the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I was watching the scene, and, like, you know, it's it's fun choreography, it's a good move, but at the same time, Red probably just kind of, like, stepped aside and let the doctor run past him. Like, did did flipping him over his shoulder do anything? It it, it probably felt good, you know, pumped him up. Okay. Yeah, like, it, it made him feel, like, woo, like the dude outside my window just yelled, quiet dudes are podcasting. <laughs> uh, the doc says that the baddies they're draining all the energon from uh, the uh, battery in the basement which is putting all the ICU patients at risk uh, because I guess the zombies haven't gotten to the uh, you know the ICU wards to zombify all the people who are there I mean uh, Enter's probably not bothering to zombify the dudes that can't get up and walk around like aren't useful soldiers so instead they're just lying there, and if they run out of energy, then everybody's gonna die. And uh, Blue suggests splitting up at this point, which is okay. I get it. I get it. It's a children's show, but why are you splitting up? That it's okay. This is a this is an ICU ward. If we're talking about losing an ICU ward or losing the country, like sometimes you gotta make the hard decisions. Uh, I mean it's. It shows that, like, the team, like, they're they're here, they're willing to fight the fight, but also they're trying for the best outcome. You know, whereas 
other people in the organization might be able to make more like kind of harsh decisions, as we'll see next then. Or, or like also another thing that this is showing is that these are the only three field agents that the energy company has. Like Blue goes, so Blue splits off. He goes on a mission to collect some energon to bring it back to the hospital and save the ICU patients. That's something an intern could have done at the end. It it didn't need to be Blue. I'm not sure if there's like a reserve core or something we see later. We do do just have to kind of accept that these are the three guys they got. And like, there's not a military, there's not like cops. Like, we might see them briefly getting like beaten up by a monster before our heroes show up. But like, it's these guys. We see a full warehouse full of these people every time one of their vehicles launch. We well, see like that, twenty people with like you know those candy sticks just waving the waving the car over. It, it's the it's the tooth and tail thing of military. Like ninety percent of any military is supply and logistics. They have three soldiers and three hundred people making their robots walk. Yeah, but like the thing is, collecting some energon and putting it into a battery—that's a supply and logistics job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they probably could have been able to like like DoorDash more Energon over there. <laughs> also, I guess this also raises some questions about Energon. Is is it like a liquid? Is it not something that can travel through power lines? Like, what exactly is Energon? Uh, I or think... Energon? Like, I call it Energon because these are Transformers, but like, whatever. It, it, it's it's fine. Like it's, like that that's a substitution so minor, Sam, that I didn't notice he doing it, and like. I I call you on a lot of the things you get wrong about the stab show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think it's kind of like natural gas, where it can like flow to a certain extent through pipes, but you can't just like shoot it entirely like across the world instantly. Like you do need setups and large amounts, especially to like I I guess maybe because it's the hospital. Uh, what Vagris did, like they cut them off from the grid to keep them from siphoning more, so they were just running off the internal battery. So they need to refill the eternal battery. Okay, okay. So this is the backup generator for the hospital that is being drained. Yeah, like, when Vagris shows up, I gotta assume the central command presses a button and, like, takes them off from the grid so that they can't just remotely drain the huge tank. All the buddy droids, they're hanging out at the base because the rangers, they might need the vehicles, so they are staying nearby so that they can bring the vehicles as needed. Which, you know, does make sense. Although... Something that doesn't make sense, and did we talk about this last week, where when the uh, big monster shows up, all the chairs in the war room just kind of slide? Like an, an absolutely unnecessary slide? Yeah, they, they they move a little bit and get to, like, cool looking in the same direction formation. Which, uh, why not? Uh, a, why do they do that? Why do they need to do that? And B, if they need to do that, why don't they just do that 100% of the time? Like, this, this is a building... This isn't this isn't the Super Macross one. Like this base is not transforming, to my knowledge. Sam, this show is serious about a lot of things. You got a good, but sometimes the the set designers they they got stuff they got to work out. They've been they've been doing like fantasy dragons for years. Occasionally they want to make a ch- a chair slide around. Okay, fine, 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 fine. So Ryuji he gets into his Buster vehicle. What is it? Uh, GTO two, which is uh, Gorilla Transport, I assume. Going by the letters? Yes, he's a giant blue gorilla, which is a, it's a fun looking mech. It's a really fun looking mech. It is a little more uh, awkward for the suit actor, and I feel like it doesn't get as much play individually as the red mech does. It is very bulky because, you know, it's a gorilla. It's a gorilla with like missile launchers on his shoulders. 
Yeah, and like his his vehicle mode is a like big dump truck type thing. Blue is siphoning energy off the main uh, energon battery, and uh, red and yellow are just walking through the hospital, punching all the ICU patients in the head. Uh, there is a little girl kind of huddling in the corner, frightened out of her mind with all the war going on around her, and Yoko sees her, kind of throws her knife to to take out a robot that was about to kill her, and like detransforms to kind of calm her down. But don't detran don't detransform. You're in the middle of a fight. Yeah, they're they're able to go in and out pretty quick. Yeah. And I guess to the show's credit, she does immediately regret it because the Needlebot shows up and, like, just lashes her leg and starts to drag her in. As uh, she's being dragged in, Hiromu is also being dragged in. They have a heart-to-heart as they're kind of straining to avoid being pulled into the the Needle monster. So, uh, back outside, like, the Big Mech has showed up and it is approaching the uh, Blue Gorilla, who has just finished siphoning the energy off of the uh, giant battery and the lighting has changed uh it this this started off in like the morning just you know bright blue skies and now it's like golden hour evening uh lighting going on so i how how long was he draining energy from that battery harry i mean we know that it was 42 minutes or less (laughs) uh like i i do appreciate the lighting it it does look awesome. I love the golden hour, and I love, like, giant robots punching each other in the head during the golden hour. Ryuji, he starts fighting the thing as best he can. He fires out a bunch of banana muscles. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they peel in midair, and the missile part hits the enemy, and then what tries to move forward, it slips and falls over. Back in the hospital, uh, Red and Yellow finally get to the needle and kill him instantly. <laughs> so, yeah. this, this guy was a punk like he he was a pet class so this guy had zombies for a reason and that reason was he had a glass jaw Uh, because the the robot fight takes like half of this episode Mm -hmm. because it got back up from slipping out the banana peels and start started working over yuji uh it it slams a needle into its side and is draining a bunch of inertrons straight out again again this is why another crew should have been getting the Energon, because now you're feeding the bad guys Energon. Well, to be fair, it would also indicate that had another crew that's just like in a tanker truck, it would have been able to drain drain it out of that right away. And like without fighting at all, like it probably would have completely drained it. And that much, maybe that already starts getting another Megazord. Because it, it's not too important yet, but all the... All the buster machines, they have fuel gauges that are kind of visible in the uh, in the cockpit when they're going. And, like, these fights aren't lasting too long, so they're usually just counting down at, like, 90 or something. But they do have a limited amount of time that can be up and going. They need to be repaired. And after, like, if a bunch of Megazords show up all at once, they might not be able to stop them. I mean, they're, or, or counterpoint, counterpoint, like, they're just re- recharging the battery in the hospital. A truck could have gone there and just pulled some energy for, say, 15 of the 42 minutes and then drove it to the hospital and just, like, topped it off a little bit. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> probably, uh, we're, we're getting too into the weeds. It's causing dramatic tension. And now we're into the big fight. Uh, so yeah, like, like this this show, because you always got to accept some things that don't make sense. This yes. show, for me, does w- way more than enough to establish like the stakes and the rules of what's going on yeah you, you could break that and be like well why did they do this why did they do this yeah those make sense but like it, it's pretty good at establishing what's going on as opposed to like 
Gokaiger, where it was just, you know, funny nonsense and did, the fights really didn't matter. It was just character moments. Oh, but the fights were also great at Gokaiger. Yeah, but like the they were quick and fla- flashy and over in like a couple minutes. Uh, but yeah, so uh, at this point, uh, Needle's dead, so Red can get into his vehicle, and Red tags in, and Blue nopes out. So I guess Blue really doesn't like fighting the big bad guys. Just kind of leave that to Red. Yeah, well, well, also, he's got a... The whole reason he came here is because he needs to get that energy to the hospital in time. So the a bridge was, like, hit by some attacks earlier, it's on fire, but he's just hanging and, like... Uh, running across it on the bottom, like swinging like an ape does. And uh, this is the point where I might say, you'd be, you might think that the it couldn't support the weight of a giant robot. And you'd be right, because the bridge breaks and he falls into the water. <laughs> but it turns out that that's fine. They could kind of walk through the water, Pacific Rib style. Yeah, he's waterproof. So as Red is uh, fighting the giant needle monster and uh, Blue goes back to the hospital and saves the day, uh, during the fight against the big monster, uh, Red is transforming back into his car for some maneuvers, and I I love that. I love that. Like, being in the walkie robot is not the solution for every problem. I, I love it in these shows when they actually transform and detransform into different modes uh, in the same fight for different maneuvers, for different purposes. The the beta Megazords, which this is one of the ones he's fighting, they're big and tanky, but also extremely slow. So he realizes, I could just dash around it. He goes into a car, and its spoiler thing is actually a blade. So he kind of extends it on one side and slashes its hamstrings. Yeah. And then he could get the big hit. Harry, uh, did you ever watch the new Voltron series? I watched the first season or so. It, it was pretty good, but I heard that it kind of falls apart towards the end. Uh, I would say that the last season is not the best, but some of the later seasons are fucking awesome. And there's one episode in particular, a minor side tangent, uh, where the the Voltron guys, they're like fighting this, uh, they're fighting a giant monster, and they have to just transform and detransform back into their lines like repeatedly throughout the fight just to get different angles on it. And it's extremely tactical, and it's one of my favorite episodes. Oh, that sounds good. I, there's a lot of series I should I know I should catch back up on. Uh, he he takes out the monster. The lights go back onto the hospital. The day is saved. And uh, you know they they have a nice bonding moment by the edge of the water. And we we go into the next episode. Good episode. Good episode. Uh, so this next episode is going to be a little harder to talk about because it is ninety percent monster fight. Well, but the, there's. There's still some good stuff in here. Like the Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There there is good stuff. It's just most of this episode is punching. Uh they there's a bit of an infographic at the opening where they say the GoBusters base, it's hidden beneath the city. It's a complex network of tunnels that stretches out for kilometers in either way. Yes, they call it an ant's nest of tunnels, uh, for kilometers around. And cool. Great. Set up the stakes, set up the world. And the commander is telling uh, the team, hey, I I have some plans to upgrade the machines because I'm worried that, uh, you know, we we need a greater advantage against the Vagris. Right now, Ace is going to be the core. You'll have something very good in the next couple episodes. Perhaps even they might combine into one big robot. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe, just maybe. Would that be something? And Haruma says, oh, uh, is this going to let us take the fight to Vagris in hyperspace? And the boss says, no, we, we figured out some of the some stuff about hyperspace. It's more complicated than that. And they start, like, doodling on a, like, white table with some markers saying, okay, you can only go between 
our world and their worlds with some kind of transport system. You need... It's very inaccurate. Uh, mm-hmm. The enemy is using the little robots as kind of tracer markers to bring in the big ones. But it's a little... It's not very precise. You could be anywhere within three kilometers. So if we send you in there, like even if we have a good marker, you could be like way off target in the middle of nowhere. Or they don't say this on the show, but I mean, maybe inside a wall. Yep, 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 yep. Which is one of the more horrifying things about teleportation. I assume that's not really a problem for the the Vagras, because for all we know, in episodes that they don't bother filming... The Vagras do try to bring a Megazord in and teleports inside the the Earth or, like, inside a mountain, and it's not really a big problem. Or goes in the air and just falls. And whatever, they're (laughs) robots, they don't care. But as we've stated, these are the three guys. If they lose these guys, we have zero guys and Vagras wins. I would kind of love it if, like, an episode started and they were just, like, driving up to one of those giant monsters and it's just, like, a single arm sticking out of the dirt, kind of twitching a little bit. And they're just saying, oh, I guess they screwed up the teleportation. Well, you know, lunch break. But yeah, so transporting is a very inexact science to them. And uh, I get that. And it also, they don't talk about it at this point of the episodes, but they do transport their weapons. They do teleport their weapons, which also shows how teleporting can be more precise because they use the rangers as the beacons. Like, so if you have a specific target, if you have something that you can teleport to as opposed to teleport just into a general area with no with no tracers, with no beacons, then, yeah. So when they're teleporting, like, the swords, the guns to the people in the field, they can do that very accurately. But just teleporting into hyperspace with no target to lock onto, very imprecise, very dangerous. Uh, despite all the stated risks, Hiromu, uh, looks like Reiner says, I think we should still try it. If we worry too much about mistakes, we're never going to be able to take the fight to them. And the commander looks at him and says, you think I'm afraid? And uh, Nick, uh, Hiromu's little robot bedroid, says, say no, sir, at this point. And Hiromu says, yeah, I think you're fucking afraid. <laughs> he wants to rescue the people who were transported into hyperspace with Psy 13 years ago. The commander stands up and says, I'm going to make this clear. My superiors and I are all operating under the belief that there are no survivors. We are not a rescue team. Our mission is to kill Messiah. Yeah, yeah, and that's that was kind of harsh for a kid's show. Yeah, like the commander, he's got to be the guy in charge. And that's that's right. Like I am so on the commander's side when he's saying that, but that's a little harsh to be telling a sixteen-year-old. And in another side, that these people are like a little smarter than the other Sentai protagonists. Apparently they took some photos of Enter and passed them around because they didn't get a call saying, hey, that weird guy who works for Vagrath showed up at an energy tank. Maybe we should go find him. <laughs> the Rangers drive to this uh, energy tank. Uh, Blue and Yellow are in a car talking about the past. Like, this is this is kind of the why we fight episode of the series, uh, at least so far, where they're talking just a whole lot about their families and why they're doing this and just uh, their drive for uh, for being the Rangers. Yoko admits she's glad Hiromu remembered their promise, but to be honest, she doesn't even really remember her parents. Like, yeah. she was three when it happened. We made a joke last episode about her knowing her Gatling gun longer than her mother, and yep, confirmed. Uh, Ryuji's just a little sad and hope, hopes that Hiromu isn't taking this too hard to have his hopes being shot down. Mm-hmm. And they show up, and Enter is just sitting in the middle of the street with a pizza. <laughs> like, I want some pizza now, and this looks good. 
Yeah, it's it is some really good looking pizza. It's just like dripping with mozzarella and gouda. It says, "Hey, go busters! These tanks are really nice. C- can you let us have some?" But obviously, they say no, and then he transforms his pizza cutter into a robot. Yeah, so this spot this week, this is a badass robot, because it's just like, it's nothing but spinning blades on every surface. It's very BattleBots-esque and really dangerous. And speaking of badass robots, we see the Megazord being prepared and sent into hyperspace, and this one looks a little different than the others. Even Nakamura mentions, oh, the signature is changed, I think it's a new type. Because it was Alpha and Beta before, and there's a lot more letters in that Greek alphabet. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, back at the base, the colonel is, like, he's reviewing what's going on, and he comes to the very smart conclusion, at least, you know, faster than normal, like, wait, Enter was luring us out here. He he lured us out here, he dropped this bot specifically here. Why did he do that? He wasn't trying to conceal anything. This is bait. This is a trap. This is, what is he doing? Robu also spots it, like he looks at the robot and says, like, you're placing his marker next to the tank as close as possible. And Enter says, yes, good job. And Hiromu has a moment where he says, well, he's clearly thinking to himself, why is he letting me know his plan so quickly? And then then it fires out a bunch of cutter discs and they have to dodge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really do like this fight. Like, this, uh, they're fighting this guy for the remainder of the episode. And it's great, you know, there's... There's blades, there's actions, there's flips. They're like boomerang discs, too. Like, he has a bunch on his shoulders and hands, and he'll shoot them out, and, like, the heroes will dodge him, and they'll come back in. So he's kind of, like, surrounded by a shield of attacks. So it's at this point that the people of the base, they realize what is going on with Enter. Like, going back to that Chekhov's gun from earlier in the episode about how teleportation's not exactly an exact science, they're looking at a three-mile, or a three-kilometer radius around this particular beacon and oh shit there's another tank inside that three kilometer radius because yeah there's usually it's one tank per district but this tank is right next to a mountain and the mountain is a natural divide for districts so right on the other side there's another potential target yeah so if the if the giant robot appears like and it I kind of get the impression that uh, the bad guys don't know which tank they're going for either but they're giving themselves options yeah, because the heroes say, if we all just go to that other tank, then he'll just come back to this one. So this is one of the few times where it actually makes sense to split up. Yeah, uh, so uh, Hiromu, he says, I'm just going to get in my car. My my Megazord is designed for fighting other Megazords, and he's also super fast. So I'll just get ready and go to whichever one he goes to. And you guys hunt down the little robot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm... I'm not 100% sure, like, I mean, obviously because he would, like, kill a bunch of dudes, but, like, I wonder if they're worried that if he's long enough as a marker, they could just send another one, but that would still require energy. Yeah, they, there are some rules about this whole thing that I'm not 100% clear on. Like, well, well, also, like, on foot, like, enter, that's clearly what he's doing, he's going around siphoning small amounts, so if there's a super strong rampage robot, then he'll go and just, little by little, he will get enough to eventually summon another Megazord, so... Yeah. He may not be as immediately urgent, but he's still a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully that happens in the future. Like, you know, where something escapes and they have to chase it down and multiple big guys come down as a result. Like, wouldn't that be a nice escalation? Oh, they have they have some very fun plays on the way this works out. Like, that establishing the rules 
like they have except like fun episodes like uh, uh, i can't wait until we get to the eraser episode <laughs> cool kind of at this point is just fighting for the rest of the episode the big guy does show up and it's uh it's going for the tank that's further away uh but red kind of figured that so he shows up there and uh gets to it just as it's through the outer walls and draining the energon yeah uh and he starts fighting it but it's immediately way stronger and it throws up an energy shield blocking blocking a bunch of his attacks and fires missiles through like this is a gamma type and it is a league stronger than either of the others uh i haven't here that the uh other uh robots show up and they start to aid in the fight to you know kind of uh, draw the power shields in different directions Oh, uh, that, I mean, that's way later. Um, but he gets beat up a lot, and Hiromu has to kind of take some, like, his, his machine goes down, and he has to start rerouting power. Like, she says, just give me give me both legs and one arm, so I can, like, stab at him. <laughs> the the big sword then turns, and it starts, it does start draining a big chunk of Enertron out of the tank. Uh, the commander, off to the side, kind of pulls one of his subordinates, uh, and says, like, I have a secret plan. Uh, let's see, uh, clicking, yeah, that's lots, lots of fighting, lots of fighting. Uh, yeah, then they show up, and on foot, the the heroes, they've been, like, fighting and blocking the discs so far that they kind of do a thing where they catch all of them on their blades, like, spinning plates. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. They spin the plates, they throw them back at the monster, and that finally opens them up to, uh, to deliver a finishing move. Yeah, because the, the weapons before were just boomeranging back and forth, so it's a bit silly, but they were actually grabbing them and throwing them away so he couldn't defend himself anymore. And then they get in and kill him. And then they show up with their vehicles, they, you know, they draw him away from Red, and uh, draw him away from the tank, and uh, Red powers up, he does a leap, and <laughs> almost gets cut in half himself. Yeah, he throws his sword at the energy shield and stops it, but then he just keeps running forward and open hand palm slaps it through to stab the dude, but at the same time, it's stabbing directly into his cockpit. Mm -hmm. Then, after a little while, the enemy falls down dead, and then the blade falls out, and we see there's, like, a big crack. Like, that blade was a couple feet from him, which, in the scale of giant robots, is super close. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blade inside the cockpits, just going for Red Ranger. (laughs) Yeah, he even, like... Because he was losing power, he even shunted power away from life support to get that last extra bit he needed. Well, then I guess it's a good thing that he cut a hole inside the cockpit to get some air in there. I, I think the thing is that it was super, like, super heated in there. It's not like Star Trek, where the second they lose life, lose life support, everybody falls down and starts gasping. Because it, it's... You would still have air for a while, but it's temperature regulation and stuff. Like, Firefly was way better when they lost life support and they still had, like, most of an episode to realize that it was a problem and, like, shut things down and isolate themselves. Yeah. Hiromu, we, we learned through some flashbacks of this. It's, the chronology is a little weird, but basically, he heard what the commander said and didn't care at all because he's still going to go in there and save them. So, whatever, his, if he has to, you know, work around his superiors, then he's going to do it, but he's going to save them. Mm-hmm. And they... When they get back to base, the commander says, by the way, I was kind of, uh, I was kind of holding back the two robots intentionally because I implanted a tracer inside the Enertron. I was trying to get a lead back to their base, but I guess they found out during transport it didn't work. So, so that's all. But Ryuji points out, dude, Hiromu got a blade jammed like right next to his face. He almost died. And he goes to punch the commander. Mm-hmm. 
But Hiromu stops him, catches the punch, which, by the way, means that it was like a serious punch. Uh, Ryuji has super strength. Yeah. It says, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, this is fine. This just shows that the commander is serious about this. And the commander admits that he will gladly use the three of you as bait if it means getting to uh, getting to Messiah. Yeah, the only thing he's afraid of is that he's going to fail this mission, because he understands if we fuck up here, it's humanity. And that's the end of the episode. Like, yeah. fun, children, dark. Yeah, our children's show. The, the friendly commander will take a path to victory over the bodies of our heroes. Yep. And, and good okay on him. Yep. And enter for his part. He's like, well, we didn't get all the Intertron, but we got a big trunk. We got a big chunk, so... That's enough for me. Like, Enter can also take small victories. Good for Enter. Like, he he keeps a side of the big picture. Like, he's working on his own thing. He's slowly trying to talk his boss into doing the right thing. But, yay. It's all good. It's all good. So, that's it for the couple episodes. Um, I think with the... Uh, even with the digressions, we're ending up a little short. But I think sometime soon we're gonna try to record some kind of video game and maybe have something to post here. Or maybe we'll come up with more, like mini games for us to do at the end of the episode we're a little out of practice on this so we will figure out how to uh unnecessarily extend episodes in the future you know it this could be a short podcast like we we kind of like we started being relatively short and then we kind of like expanded later so maybe we're just gonna go to that i have i have no qualms with the 40 minute podcast terry there's not enough 40 minute podcasts yeah they don't all need to be uh six hour epics yeah, but uh, there is one thing that we do need to do every time, and what's that, Sam? We need to keep dancing. We need to keep dancing, people. Just don't stop dancing.